Today we'll be wrapping up a very urgent and necessary series regarding unity among Christians. Unity is almost unseen in today's culture, even becoming increasingly rare in the church. But it's essential if we're going to be the church that Jesus desires us to be. In this series, we have covered a good amount of ground as we looked at why Jesus prayed for unity among his followers in the first place, how he desires unity and not uniformity in his church, how to live with people you disagree with, because honestly, it takes effort, it's hard, but it's certainly possible. And today we'll be closing out this series by discussing how unity can be achieved when we view each other as family and act on one another's behalf. Now, when I first started going to church at a small country gathering in central Indiana, having never been around that culture at any point in my life, I was so shocked at the number of people who were going around saying, hey, brother, or hey, sister. It's the first day in church, and I'm thinking, what in the world? How are all these people related? It didn't take long for me to realize that although they weren't all related, they were part of the most important family they would ever belong to. Something I never had or experienced at that point in my life. A church family. What we're going to read today will be tough for a lot of us to grasp. Not because we lack any sort of knowledge or experience, but only because it is a teaching of Jesus that will redefine our idea of commitment and set that bar relatively high for us. What we'll hear from Jesus and discuss today will challenge some of the rhythms and priorities of our life, and and that's okay, because it is Jesus' standard that we are trying to apply to our lives. Today, as we close out this series, some of us may have to take a cold, hard look at our life in our church family and make some necessary Jesus-led changes. The words of Jesus that we'll center our teaching around today come from the book of Mark, one of four books of our Bible that describe Jesus' earthly life in detail. But before we dive into the book of Mark, I want to make sure we understand who the author Mark was, and thus the credibility he holds for recording what we will see is quite the profound statement from Jesus regarding how we should view and interact with one another, our church family. So first off, Mark wasn't one of those first followers of Jesus that we read about in scripture. However, as a teenager, Mark would have been familiar with Jesus and would have likely seen him teaching on several occasions and possibly spent some time under the same roof as him, given his mother's faith in Jesus. Now, at some point after Jesus' death and his resurrection, Mark would start traveling with the church leaders of all church leaders, the Apostle Paul, whose writings make up two-thirds of the New Testament of our Bible. Mark would also accompany another church leader and one of the original 12 followers of Jesus Christ. We call him the Apostle Peter. It is believed that Mark helped Peter interpret and translate the prominent Greek language since Peter was likely without an education that would have taught him Greek. So Mark not only spent time with Jesus before his death, but also spent a significant amount of time with prominent church leaders as well. All that to say, his recording of Jesus' words, as much as they may run a little against the grain for how we live our lives today, those words are valid and credible. So if you want to follow along, we're going to pick up in Mark chapter 3, right after Jesus has some conflict with some hypocritical religious leaders. So Mark tells us that after this conflict, then Jesus' mother and brothers came to see him. They stood outside and sent word for him to come out and talk with them. There's a crowd sitting around Jesus, and and someone said, Jesus, your, your mother and brothers are outside asking for you. Now, we don't need to get too far into the weeds here, but Jesus' mother is Mary, and Jesus' brothers could indicate that Joseph, the father of Jesus, was a widower before marrying Mary and, and had children from that previous marriage. Or it could also be the case is that it wasn't unusual for families to have powerful bonds during this time in history to the extent that cousins were often called brothers or sisters. 
Uh, either way, Jesus is traveling around doing ministry with his disciples and his family decides to come and spend some time with him. And so upon hearing this, Jesus replied, who is my mother? Who are my brothers? Now keep in mind, they're literally outside the door. Verse 34, then Jesus looked at those around him and said, look, these are my mother and, and brothers. Anyone who does God's will is my brother and sister and mother. So instead of just rolling with the moment and hanging out with his physical family, the one that he was born into, Jesus, as he is so good at doing, sees this moment as a teaching opportunity. He sees this as an opportunity to take something that, that came about naturally, his family simply coming to see him, as a way to highlight the supernatural. That being the way you and I, the church, are to relate to one another. This moment in time allows Jesus to emphasize his spiritual family, which transcends his physical family. That is not just the case for Jesus, but Christ himself clearly defines our relationship with other Christians within the boundaries of family. For some of us, that idea of family is one we're so proud of. We cannot imagine being closer to our natural family than what we are right now. Uh, for some of us, the, the church may be the only family we've ever had that we feel loves us and, and includes us and believes in us. Regardless of our current family structures, Jesus asks that our dedication to our church family be greater than the devotion we have with the families we were born or adopted into. And that may sound bold to some of us. Still, we have to consider that commitment is something that Jesus never took lightly. But the things that Jesus asks you and I to rally around to be unified over will undoubtedly build our bond and our commitment in a strong and vital way. So let's talk or perhaps think about our physical family and what binds us together. Before doing so, I know it goes unsaid probably, but I'll say it anyways, that all of our family dynamics are so different that I can only speak to mine and invite you to consider yours throughout today's teaching. However, one thing that is true about all of our families is that we didn't get to pick them. And I understand that some of you are heroes of fostering and adoption. I'm so thankful for your love being lived out in this world. When it comes to the families we're born into or adopted into, we simply didn't get a choice. And as we grow and develop into our personalities, our very unique personalities, we may find that outside of sharing a last name or a potential blood bond, we may not have a ton in common with our physical families. I know that there are some members of my family, people I genuinely love and adore, and the one thing, I mean it, the one thing we have in common is that we literally have nothing in common with one another. It's hard to believe that we are even related. But that is the beauty of, of some of our physical families. We don't have everything in common, but we set all of that aside and come together and make memories and share the love. That's what makes families great. The decision to do life together, pursue unity, despite our many differences. Now, on the other hand, I, I think about the family that I was born into and some of the things that we actually do have in common. And then there's some, some rallying points for us. Perhaps for your family, it, it may be specific sports teams that you grew up rallying around and love to cheer for. And you share that bond, you have that in common, or maybe it is certain traditions. I don't know, maybe you and your family have a large 4th of July gathering and enjoy going out and getting crabs certain times of the year, or going to that favorite vacation spot. Like that is something that, despite your differences, maybe your family comes together for. Or maybe it's live music, certain movies, or other hobbies and passions, but I bet as you think about your own physical family, the one you were born or grafted into, you see certain things that you gather around, even though none of you are exactly alike. You may not share anything in common with them other than your leaves on the same family tree. Author Harper Lee once famously wrote, you can choose your friends, but 
You sure can't choose your family. And they're still kin to you no matter whether you acknowledge them or not. And it makes you look downright silly when you don't. And that is the beauty of our physical family. Many differences, maybe a few similarities, but there are some things you can rally around. A type of of commitment level there that you share. Yet Jesus invites us to consider where the bar has been set for our physical family and to pursue an even greater closeness with our church family. He invites us to reprioritize the commitment that we give to one another. This doesn't mean that we disregard our physical families, but what Jesus is getting at is that we need to put more of an emphasis on our spiritual family. For a fair amount of us, this is probably so hard to wrestle with for several reasons, and we won't get into them. However, the things that you and I have to rally around, the things our church family has in common, is so much greater than some of the things we have in common with our physical family. What we have in common, loving Jesus, his love for us, and loving the world, will be more impactful than anything else we share with others in this world. What we share in common is treating everyone who crosses our path with love and respect because we know that Jesus died for that imperfect individual just like he died for our imperfections. We share in common the the reality that, yes, we are unbelievably imperfect, a complete work in progress, but the grace of Christ covers all of us and gives us the hope we need in this world. We, our church family, we share the urgency to share that love and grace of Christ with our words and, yes, with our actions. What we have in common is that just as Jesus is transforming us from the inside out, he has tasked you and me with the responsibility to go into this world and change it for the better, to be fighting for justice, prioritizing and loving the vulnerable, and making sure everyone gets a fair shake at this fragile and momentary thing called life. I think what Jesus is getting at there in Mark is that you and I share things that transcend this world from here throughout eternity. And that in and of itself, eternal matters, means we need to be more serious about our momentary commitment with one another. We share the same spiritual priorities that lead us to to live a certain way right here, right now. And real authenticity comes from our our priorities being aligned in the same direction. What Jesus is getting at is that what we share is more important, urgent, and impactful than anything we could ever have in common with every member of our physical family. Commenting on this difficult yet challenging perspective, Joseph Hellerman writes these words. Jesus' relationship priorities help us understand that the church, the family of God, is not here to serve the interest of our family, its preferences, desires, and needs. Rather, our families are here to serve the family of God. Although it can be uncomfortable, that moment in time between Jesus, his physical family, and his disciples that Mark outlines reinforces the reality that our relationships are ultimately more important in our spiritual family. And once again, I cannot state this enough. It doesn't mean that you think less of or waver on your commitment to your physical family. It means we take a cold, hard look at our our commitment that we have with our church family. I'm so thankful for you, my spiritual brothers and sisters, because I need you in this life. We need one another to keep our heads above water in this scary world, while also trying to save others who have gone or are going under. Jesus himself says in John chapter 13, verse 35, your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. I'm thankful for you, my spiritual family, because of this common goal we have to show the world who we serve by how well we love one another. We are people who are created to thrive in community, desire that closeness of a family, yet sometimes we settle for just attending a church 
instead of digging in and doing life with the people around us. And I'm afraid that we often miss the opportunities that are right in front of us to pursue a deeper relationship with our church family. And along those lines, this past week, I read a remarkable story about a lady named Tammy Harris and her mother. Tammy from Roanoke, Virginia, she began searching for her biological mother when she turned 21. And a year of seemingly endless search proved fruitless and frustrating. And Tammy felt she would never be reunited with her family. But what she did not realize, however, was that her mother, Joyce Schultz, the same Joyce Schultz she worked with, had been searching for her biological daughter for the last 20 years, and those efforts were fruitless as well. So one day when Joyce overheard Tammy speaking with another coworker about her biological mother's search, Joyce's ears perked, and the two compared stories and birth certificates, and the coworkers realized that they were indeed mother and daughter and had been working alongside one another for years. It is a wild, true, beautiful story. And when a reporter asked Tammy about her response, she said, we just embraced and held on for the longest time. It was the best day of our lives. And although that story is heartwarming, it also got me emotional for a very different reason this week. It saddens me to consider how many times we as Christians go to church with one another, pass each other in the parking lot, maybe even serve side by side like Tammy and Joyce, but fail to realize the depth of the relationship we share because we put our faith in Jesus Christ. We are family, the type of family that is called to display a supernatural commitment to one another, pursuing unity because of our focus on Jesus. And I genuinely believe that when we make ourselves a little vulnerable and and lean into life with one another, we'll find the community, we'll find the family we've always been searching for. And about that community, the book of Colossians tells us, don't lie to each other for you have stripped off your old sinful nature and, and its wicked deeds. Put on your new nature and be renewed as you learn to know your creator and become like him. In this new life, a life of faith, he's saying, it doesn't matter if you are a Jew or a Gentile, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbaric, uncivilized, slaves or free. Now, keep in mind, Paul here is commenting on things that would have been a cultural dividing point for a church family 2,000 years ago. And we can insert any reason we think uh, really matters for not pursuing a deeper community with our church family. But the way Paul ends verse 11 there is all we need to be concerned with. He tells us Christ is all that matters, and he lives in all of us. And then he continues, since God chose you to be the holy people he loves, You must clothe yourselves with tenderhearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Above all, clothe yourselves with love, which binds us all together in perfect harmony. And let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. For as members of one body, you are called to live in peace and always be thankful. That's a tall order that can only be done through Christ and his power at work in our lives as we enter into a real commitment with one another. So in light of Jesus' challenging words in the book of Mark, let me ask you to consider two things that can lead to an immense amount of unity. The first, ask yourself, do I display the type of commitment to my church family that Jesus desires? It's a high standard that he provides, but if we are serious about following Jesus, then it must be one that we're willing to follow. We need to consider if we are missing the mark. Has church become something we attend, or is it a family that we are deeply committed to? So maybe take some time to to ask yourself that question, then pray over it, and ask God to reveal what your life would look like if you pursue the type of commitment 
that Jesus desires for you to have with your church family. The second thing is this. How can you or you and your family better serve people within your church family? As a church family, we all have something to offer to one another, so we need to look for ways to be actively involved in this family. It may mean joining a serving team because we need volunteers right now. Or it may just mean finding creative ways to support one another between the Sundays. Things such as writing encouragement cards, committing to getting to know someone you, you would never have talked to before, offering to make a meal for a family going through a stressful time, or just praying for one another, or even joining a small group. We'd love to, to help you with that. Either click to fill out the Connect card if you're watching on our church online platform, or, or you can email us at info at forkchristian.org, and we'll be happy to help you get more connected to your church family. And it can be any number of things that make an incredible difference, not only in your life, but in the lives of people that you're going to spend all of eternity with anyways. Let me close this series out with this story. Author Carl Stugall, he tells of two brothers who entered the first grade. One told the teacher he was born January 1st, 1984. The other said, well, I was born April 4th, 1984, just four months apart. That's impossible, the teacher said. And no, the first brother replied, one of us is adopted. Well, which one? asked the teacher. I don't know, he replied. One day I asked my dad and he, he thought for a second and then he kissed us both and said, I forgot. You and I, despite all of our differences, and they are vast, can never forget that every single one of us has been adopted into the family of God. So let's pursue unity and look at one another as God looks at us. As members of the same family, our goal in this life is to live among and love one another well enough that others get brought in and receive the hope and joy of having God as their father. There is quite literally nothing greater in this world. So let's come together, family.